hub, and spoke. Audio Collective. This is Rumble Strip. I'm Erica Heilman. Let me see if I can get him to turn towards us. No, he's happy there. Oh, look singing at him singing. for a mate. Yeah, you can What's see his dick singing is, about? He's singing about this is my turf, and I wanna find a mate. You know. That's it. That's basically it. I basically, he's basically right now thinking about, you know, getting laid and not getting killed. <laughs> That's my friend Brian Pfeiffer at Berlin Pond in central Vermont a few days ago. Brian is a writer and an educator and a field naturalist, and he used to be a professional birding guide. And even though we've been friends for a long time, he's never taken me birding, not because he wasn't willing, but because I wasn't interested at all. And then suddenly, when I turned 50, I got interested in birds. And ever since I've gotten interested in birds, I've been sending Brian phone recordings every day of birds and saying, what's that? And every time he writes back and he says... That's a Carolina wren. A few days ago, Brian took me birding during peak migration, and for the first time in my life, I got to see an actual singing bird up close in a telescope, and it was amazing. Brian knows all about birds and about dragonflies and butterflies. He also knows where they live and what they eat and what it smells like and feels like where they live. And I think that my sudden interest in birds has more to do with that, with some growing desire to know those places the way he does and to be absorbed in them. Here's Brian. Okay, look in there. Look at it. Watch watch him sing. Oh, God. Really sing. Watch his throat pulse. Such a little tough guy. He's going to go. He's like, I was, how his tail shakes in the trill part of his song. <laughs> it's true. It's like his tail rattles like a, like a bell. What do they call those things? Clappers. This is probably one of the most common and widespread birds in North America. And it's, you have to know this bird because they're everywhere. They're singing all over Montpelier. You know, you have to know this sparrow because it's with us everywhere. Song sparrow. Song sparrow. Yeah. Listen, two introductory notes and two or three. Right? So so that one has three repeated introductory notes, some buzzy, hard-to-describe stuff, and then the trill. It ends with that trill. That's the little tail, the tail waggle. <laughs> he just scratched his head. He's so adorable. And he's got a little central spot on his breast. This is like the quintessential sparrow. This is like the sparrow of sparrowness. There's goldfinches calling overhead. <laughs> oh. So I, I, this is, I know, anthropomorphizing, but, I mean, they're constant noise-making. Yeah. Is there anything to suggest that they are happy about it all? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, you know, well, I mean, there's a gazillion ways to look at that. We can look at it from their perspective, or we can look at it our, from our perspective. For them, it's instinct, but there is also an aesthetic 
form of evolution that they undertake, you know, that they are subject to. And so there is beauty inherent in their goings-on here that they perceive if you believe certain evolutionary biologists. Others will just attribute this to Darwinian evolution. Um, is it beautiful to us? Hell yes, <laughs> you know? And it's, it's more than beauty to me, you know? I mean... What, what does that mean? Well, I mean, mean, with birds, we could... Like, what is it about birds? You know, you have this blend of color, song, and flight. That's a pretty good mix. I mean, it's hard to beat that in nature. So that's why we love them. And then there are all the usual things that they, oh, they embody place and they're an expression of life and this, all of that, which is true, you know. But, you know, it just, I don't know. I mean, it just makes me feel really good when I see them. <laughs> Do you feel as excited to see them now as you did 20 years yeah, ago? I do. I think even more so. I love their annual returning. I hate that there are fewer of them. Okay, check this out right right here. So check it. Okay, here, you're going to... Isn't that a you're robin? Really, nope. You're going to love this too. It just disappeared into a nest. There's a oh. female oriole building a nest. Oh. Right. So we saw this yellow flash and then it disappeared, and there is oh, I dangling it. here. Here she is. She's in her nest now. She's shaping it. <gasps> and what's it right. made of? It looks like hair. It's really it's fibrous plant material that she's peeling and gathering in the wetland here. Uh, and it, that's that the male her? just sang. That could have been her, too. Females will <laughs> sing. <laughs> Hear this zigzaggy song? Okay, is, let's listen to the zigzag thing. orange up there? Is that a Oh, is that's that got to be the orange. Oh, it is. It's the, good job, Erica. It's the, it's the male Baltimore Oriole. I'm waiting for him to show up. Oh, there, there, there. Yeah, there. good. You got him. Good. God, they're Okay, look at Erica. So look at this. Oh, here he is. Wait. Oh, yeah, a... there's some serious orange going on here. Okay, look at this. Oh, my God. That bird is so... Yeah, it's intense. Orange. Oh, my God. You know, there's no other word for orange, right? Like, you know, you could hit, birds could be ruby or crimson or scarlet or red, but I don't know that there are multiple words for orange. That's why we said orangist. I think that's the prettiest bird I've ever seen. If you're an orangist, are you like biased against orange <laughs> or are you all about orange. I, I, think, I think if you're, you're an or, you're orange. an orange enthusiast if you're an orangist, okay. Okay. I think. Yeah, and so look at its bill. So know how Very... this real dagger pointy bill. Yeah. This is a blackbird. Blackbirds don't have to be all black. You know, like like those grat they're not all none of them is all black. Oh my god. Yeah. What's that? That's a blue jay. Oh. That's okay. <laughs> I, you know, when I first started bird watching, you know, I was with this guy and cardinals were singing all morning long. And I'd say, what's that? He'd say, that's a cardinal. And then like, you know, 10 minutes later, I'd say, no, what's that? He'd say, it's a cardinal. And, you know, like 20 minutes, I'd say, what's that? He'd say, it's a cardinal. He's <laughs> so patient. There's a very calling in here, this bird going, peer, peer. That, that peer. 
That's a viri, it's a thrush related to our hermit thrush, our state bird. But it's this lovely, soft corduroy brown with some very gentle blotching on its breast. You know, I started in nature with birds. I'd go to the tropics and I'd be looking at birds and I was not seeing spectacular butterflies. <laughs> and now I see everything. Now I love to see what else is flying or slithering or hopping or crawling or growing or just sitting there around me, you know. So it's not all about birds for me anymore. For a lot of birders, it's about birds. They don't necessarily know other nature, which is okay. Learning birds is a challenge. But this is the big reason I'm interested in this, yeah, is yeah. that you're saying that over time, you see all the context. You see how the bird is living in this particular tree, and that particular tree is home to this particular insect. Right. I like knowing that these warbling vireos use this particular habitat. I like being able to listen, to close my eyes and listen to trees rustle in having a sense of what kind of trees those are. I like that. Is that hubris? Uh, you know, I don't know. You know. Maybe we should be homo hubris rather than homo sapiens. But there is satisfaction in knowing things to me. But there's also a patterning that you that yeah. we're attracted to. Yeah. And this is the thing that I'm that I don't have that I want. When you're looking out, yeah. you are noticing all of the interrelated qualities, right. right? And that's, what does that get you in terms of an experience? Okay. Yeah, it gets me to know places. It's like in the same way that I could say to you, small town or farm town, and you have a notion of what that place is, what makes it, what embodies it. Knowing the same things in nature help me know places in nature. You know, I can know a woodland spruce bog and know how it differs from a shrub spruce bog based on the trees that are growing there and the insects that are there and the birds that are nesting there and the plants that are growing there. It's a, it's a place. It's a community of living things that I can envision. And maybe that's part of the satisfaction. I know where I am. Oh, there's a yellow warbler flying across. We're gonna go look at those. We want them with the sun at our backs so that we can see them glow like fresh highway paint. Oh, Here they are, look at this. Wait. This is a female. There's a male. Sweet, 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 summer, summer, sweet. And that's his call note. And I just watch for yellow flashes, yellow movement in these willows. That was him also, these, that buzzy call note. These two birds are yellow warblers. Oh, they're not the same thing? Yes, yellow warbler. That's one, we, we're looking at, okay, here's another one. Right in front of us. Wait till he turns, you'll see us. He has these like, rusty stripes down his breast and this black beady eye. He's, he's so oh, yellow. I know he is. He is the epitome of yellow. Okay, so if we park ourselves here, we can just wait for them and be with them. There's one down low. 
What are they called again? Yellow, Yellow warblers? warbler. Yeah, this is again a really common cosmopolitan warbler. And I am so glad that it's common and cosmopolitan because this is a shockingly beautiful bird. So what is the um, the experience of going to Boggs? I mean, oh my you've God, been freaking. That's a whole other thing. I mean, right, exactly. So that's Boggs, that's. I love Boggs. Are can I, there's something about Boggs in me that's like I belong. Those are places I belong. In in Boggs. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can think of what you really love in the world, and it could be walking into Fenway and seeing the field open in front of you, and that just makes you feel right, like you belong. For me, I could be wandering in woods, bushwhacking usually. You bushwhack to these bogs. And then you arrive at the bog, and it opens. It's like this squishy mat with purple orchids growing, purple flames across the bog, and certain birds singing and butterflies moving around. And it's like I get there and I say, okay, I belong here. This is where I belong. This is, this is right for me. All the misery I went through, including black flies and mosquitoes and my bad knee, my torn meniscus, you know, getting there, none of that matters anymore. Like I would bear far worse to get to a bog because I just feel as if I belong in bogs. You know, maybe I'll, that's where I'll end up. <laughs> They'll find me, you know, a thousand years from now in a bog. Oh, here's a bog guy, <laughs> the bog guy. He belonged in bogs. <laughs> I think I would want to die in a bog. So you and I have had this conversation for a long time. In fact, the first time we met, um, what was striking to me is I'm curious about almost anything. Yeah. But when we met about, I don't know, over 10 years ago yeah. now, the only thing I couldn't care less about was birds. Really? We were at Bar Hill. We were a really great spot. So there's a reason why I am interested in this only now and not 30 years ago. Yeah, and it okay. has to do with my age. It has to do with moving, in, in a way, I think, into a, a stage of being an observe, more of an observer yes. instead of a yeah. participant. Right. Like moving into my observation years. Yeah. And, so, and I also wonder if there's comfort in, if part of the reason that's comforting is that it will one day absorb me completely. Right. I think, that's, I think this phrase that you've come up with, observation years, is really a good one. I think they, those years are early in our lives when we're kids and we can observe. And then we move in, you know, career and productivity. And then we get through that, you know. And then we want to see. We want to go back to those observing years. But the other thing I wonder is, I really do wonder if the later observation years or in the sort of last third of life, yeah. if part of it is about softening the blow of dying, because it's, it's as though your ego is trying to become absorbed in what you're observing. Like, this is going to claim me one day. That's interesting. I don't, see, I don't see this as something on the way to dying, to my dying. I don't. There is a different kind of satisfaction that comes with knowing where you are and where you fit and where everything else fits, how it all comes together with you as part of it. So it's not necessarily 
accumulating knowledge, particularly because you can know a place really, really well, and there will always be new things in nature for you to discover. I've been to places where I could spend a lifetime and still not know half of what is going on there. You know, knowing that you really can't know everything about a place. That's, that's great. That's damn good. That was Brian Pfeiffer. There are links to some of his articles and some of his pictures on my website, rumblestripvermont.com. If you want to make a comment, we would love to hear from you. Just go to the website and click on this show and scroll to the bottom and you'll see a comment box. Uh, Also, if you want to review us on Apple Podcasts, that's really helpful because it helps new people find the show. Rumblestrip is a proud member of Hub & Spoke, a collective of independent podcasts around the country. One of the shows in the collective is called The Constant, a science and history show about getting things wrong, hosted by the wickedly smart Mark Chrysler. I honestly don't know how to describe it. It's like a ride at the fair, except with words. And you learn about failed human undertakings through time in astonishing detail. You can find it at hubspokeaudio.org, where you can find all of the Hub and Spoke shows. I'll be back soon, and this time it really will be a show about Irfan, the Bosnian insurance agent who can throw an axe. He's also a really good singer. This is Rumble Strip. I'm Erica Heilman. Thanks a lot for listening. That's great. <laughs> what didn't we talk about?